it's only been three summers we've been here, um, but uh, this is easily uh, the best VBS that, that we've had since we've been here. A lot of work um, has gone into it, a lot of work that you see and a lot of the work that you don't see, uh, a lot of organization and the, the building of the craft and uh, all, all of the, uh, has really been amazing. We're going to finish uh, today, uh, and I'm going to shorten up my sermon, although I can't tell if I'm shortening up my sermon because we don't have a clock back there, um, but uh, um, we're going to, a little bit of a, you'll let me know? All right, good. Someone set your alarm. Um, and, uh, but we're going to close with kind of a, 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 I think something very appropriate, both to the message, uh, and, and uh, the one thing about this, this topic that we've been going through uh, with, the, with the kids is this, the context, and, and looking at Christ's victory um, over, uh, over Satan, and, and this, this thing that's been going on between them for thousands of years, is, it, it makes it very easy to preach about, uh, as we've been going through the, the scripture reading each week, every chapter is about it, really. Uh, you can get anywhere, uh, from anywhere to that topic. And so, uh, in our reading, we've been, we've been in John chapter 8, um, and, um, or in, we've been in the book of John, and our text is from John chapter 8. And I'm going to read a, a, a portion of that, and I want to connect this thought to what the kids have been doing, and, and I think an important part of, of God's victory. John chapter 8. Beginning in uh, verse 37, he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And they answered to him, said, well, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to him, oh, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham." But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do that. You do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born fornication. We have one father, and that's God. And Jesus said to them, if God was your father, you would love me, because I have come forth from God. I haven't come from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my words? Because you are not able to listen. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father. That's what you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources, for he is a liar and he is the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, then why not believe me? He who is of God hears God. And therefore, you don't hear because you are not from God. Now the Jews answered and said to him, Don't we rightly say that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Jesus said, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me, and I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most surely, I say to you that if anyone keeps my word, you will never see death. And then they said, Now we know you're crazy. Now we know you have a demon. Abraham said in the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? 
Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It's my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw, and he was glad. And the Jews said to him, You're not 50 years old. You've seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, Oh, most sure. Before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple in the midst of them and then passed by. Now, uh, I want to talk today about Abraham the visionary. And we're going to connect Abraham to, to our story about the contest, about, about this great victory of Christ. Numerous times in Abraham's life, we see his ability to imagine the unimaginable. He took his wife, that is already a man approaching older years, on a difficult trip of over 500 miles, not knowing where he was going. And trusted. We see Abraham, and this, to me, the, the one story that stands out about Abraham's vision, more than any other, Abraham was told to offer Isaac. And he does so. God stops him. We know that story. God stops him from, from sacrificing. But, but the line he said, and, and it comes back in the New Testament, is, me and the boy will come back to you. We will return. We are going to go and offer the sacrifice, and we will return. And Hebrews explains that. And, and, and illustrating the great vision of Abraham, it said that he trusted God's ability to raise Isaac from the dead. And here's what the, the great vision in that is that had never happened. The first person to ever be actually physically, or at least recorded in the Bible, to be raised from the dead is not until Elijah. And thousands of years before that, Abraham has the vision that that could possibly happen. Think of something you've never seen before or thought of before. Think of something that's never happened before. Think of something that's never been done before. That's kind of hard to do. What do you think of? I don't know. It's never been done. We can adapt things. We can, we can work on things. But, but if there's never been anything, think of a color that you've never seen. Try to explain the color blue to a blind person. You can't do it. But Abraham has this incredible vision to envision what was not possible. And so this is why he is the, the icon of faith. This is why he leads off the discussion of faith in the New Testament. This is why everything, and, and, and this is why the, the Jews wanted to connect. We have Abraham as our father, because everyone recognized the greatness of Abraham. And I want you to see that Jesus compares Abraham as favorably to Satan. Now, he's not as powerful. He's not as smart. Something about Abraham is even greater in this comparison than it is in Satan. Something he has. He is a great visionary. I want to talk about the origin of sin. First of all, as we talk about this contest going on, and, and, and Abraham shows up in the middle of this thing. 
And Jesus talks about Satan. He says he is a murderer and he's a liar from the very beginning. Our VBS opened up with a monologue. Uh, someone playing both Satan. You might have seen him with funky color hair. Um, and the word, and it opens up with, with, uh, with them reading all the events, opening up the newspaper and seeing all the bad things going on in the world. And from the very beginning, I did this. I did that. Look at what I did. What great things I did. But, but in it, the open, the open, among the opening sentences are, God creates things and, and I destroy it. And understand that, that for all Satan's power and all Satan's greatness, Satan never makes. He only manipulates. He only twists. He only destroys. For all of his greatness that he thinks he is, he doesn't create. Only God creates. The source of all the twisted things is Satan. Think of the words for sin. Unrighteousness. Right? He takes righteousness and makes it un. All of the words. Sin. What is sin? Sin means to fall short. Like all the words that are descriptions of sin transgress. But all of the words illustrate how God does something and Satan has to undo it or twist it in some way. That's all sin is. He's not that imaginative. That takes no imagination. But Abraham was an imaginative. He could imagine God's ability to do something and create something that he had never seen before. That had never been seen by anyone before. I mean, even the creation wasn't observed by anybody. He just kind of woke up on the, in the desert or in the, in the, in the garden to kind of say, "Okay, because we're here." That must have been a weird feeling to wake up in the garden and go, "Huh, we're here. Wonder how we got here." That'd be weird. I want to talk about God's immeasurable power. Throughout the book of John, John is describing who God is. We see time and time again how they want to kill Jesus. And it always comes down to these statements he makes. And, and, and Jesus loves making these statements and posts them and prods them. And the statements that get the most out of these people is when he starts talking about himself being the Son of God. And this one really irked them. This one irked them. Now to understand this statement, it doesn't, before, it kind of comes across weird in English. Uh, because it uses tenses and, and things that we don't like to use. We, we don't like to speak this way. Before God, or before Abraham was, I am. We'd have to know just a couple of things. Outside, they had a common language. They spoke Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic with people. That was the common language at the time. But Jesus 
was not just walking around conversing. He was in the temple. And so in the temple, now everyone, every Jew knew Hebrew. They didn't really use it a lot. But in the temple, that was the holy language. And so they spoke the holy language in the temple. And uh, so he's in the temple and he's, he's teaching. So he's speaking Hebrew most likely. And so when he says this, he says something that really we don't catch because of English. It's translated. The word for Jehovah in Hebrew is Yahweh. Okay? And we don't actually know the vowels because they took them out. Uh, well, not technically they didn't have vowels. They took the pronunciation marks out. So we don't really know how this is spoken. The word I am is Ahyah. So, so Yah is the, the root. So when Jesus says, I am, and you go, now they're picking up stone to kill him. I don't get the connection. That's okay. He just told them that he is Jehovah God. That's the criminal offense. That is blasphemy. Unless it's true. If it's true, it's not blasphemy. And so he's just told them, I am the Almighty Jehovah that you have worshipped for thousands of years. That's why they pick up stones. He is the Almighty. There are people who claim that, well, Jesus never claims to be God. Read it. It's there. There's a reason that every time he says these things, they pick up rocks. Because he claims to be Jehovah. Not little God. It is clear from their response that they knew exactly what he was saying. I am the one who made everything. That's why Abraham, and in the middle of this, there's this kind of weird statement. As we talk about Abraham's ability to imagine things, there's a statement that kind of gets buried in all this conversation. It says, your father, okay, you're related to Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Now, one of the things about Hebrews is it tells us that all the fathers died without seeing the promises. So how in the world can he possibly say he rejoiced to see my day? He's been long dead. And they, they understood this logical problem here. How can he rejoice to see the day? It didn't happen. He was dead long before. Oh. He didn't see. But he knew what the promises were. And his ability to 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 Imagine the greatness of God's immeasurable power. Allowed him to envision this day, not with, with great clarity. Not with great clarity. He didn't, I don't think he imagined the virgin birth, and I don't think he imagined the turning of the water into wine, and all the things that Jesus did, and the feeding of the 5,000, and all the great miracles. I, I don't think he envisioned all of that. But the concept that he was given, he imagined it and accepted it. That, that ability that he had to imagine that there was a destination somewhere when he started walking, and said, yeah, God's going to show me a home. 
somewhere. That, that, that ability to, uh, to envision your son coming back from the dead when something like that has never happened before. That ability to imagine that took a promise of God, a promise that said, I am going to take a son from you, and, and all kinds of stuff you see in the world, he's going to undo it. He's going to affect everywhere on this planet. And, and, and you're, I know you're old and, and, and you, have, you don't even have any kids yet, but there's going to come a son and, and he's going to, from you, make this great nation. And all these things, but one of the, one of the offspring of all these many people is going to change the world. And Abraham imagined it and accepted it. And so, here's this great victory. And the victory is not just something. It is mainly done at the cross. And in a few minutes, we're going to see a depiction of that. Something that, that has been prepared to kind of be a, the, the, the finishing touches on our VBS. But the victory extends beyond the cross. It extends beyond the resurrection. It extends to each life that is willing and capable of envisioning that victory for themselves. Satan wants your vision to get very narrow. Satan wants you to open up the newspaper and see all the bad things that he does. Satan wants you to imagine that and let that be where your imagination goes. To, to look around you and see all the negative things that you can possibly see. And they're there to see. They're not fake. There's lots of really negative things. If that's where we want to dwell, that's where we'll dwell. Regardless. God says, you're only going to have victory if you open up your mind and see the positive things going on. The things that I make. Not the things that God, or that, that Satan twists that I make. Those are just the twisting. But the things that I do, open up your eyes and see the great things happening. There are always great things happening. And see the ability of God to do even greater things things that you've never imagined in your life. Things you say in my life, there's this, this, and this. It might be a, an internal thing, an internal struggle. And you, you have difficulties getting over this internal struggle. I have difficulties. Imagine something that's never been done before. Imagine actually having victory over that thing. It can happen. Or you say, I have this problem at work, or I have this problem here with this person, or, or whatever the thing is. It might be something external. And here's this, this great Thing that I can't overcome. Imagine that it can be, because it can. The same God that, that, that can raise people from the dead. That power only has influence when people believe in it. Christ has no power here. If people don't imagine it. God's power to, to lead and do great things was influential because Abraham believed it. 
and because other great men believed it, but if no one believed it, it has no influence. So we can talk to them and sing about God's great power. But if we don't imagine it, and if we don't let it become a part of our life, it, it, it has. It's just words in the song. It's just words in the sermon. God is calling the children of Abraham who do the works of their fathers, who show by what they do and by, by their, their vision the ability of God to work today. 